Hey everyone, welcome into the first episode of the Locked On Sabres podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is Joe DiBiase uh, from WGR Sports Radio 550 and now the Locked On Sabres podcast is part of Locked On's uh, expansion into the NHL. They've had football, they've had basketball, college sports, baseball, and now we're getting into some hockey. So I'm really excited to do that. You can uh, you can follow all of the uh, all the links and uh, where to get your stuff on my Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. So if you're looking for when we're going to drop the episodes, you can go there or just if you keep checking, if you're looking for the pods, uh, we'll, we'll have them for you every day of the week on weekdays, uh, depending on the time. I think I mentioned this in the uh, trailer episode, if you didn't hear that. It's basically going to be, you know, on game nights, I'm hoping to record my stuff just to tell you exactly a little behind the scenes here. I'm looking to record after games so that that way anyone waking up in the morning, maybe you're looking to get some Sabres uh, recaps from the game before, and you'll be able to do that on your way to work. Or maybe if you work super early, you'll have that uh, at 5, 6 a.m., who, who knows, wherever you work, um, or if you're up early doing whatever and you're looking for some Sabres talk, we'll hopefully be bringing that to you. Um, otherwise, you know, mornings, afternoons will kind of fluctuate uh, based on uh, what's, what's going on. Practices, for instance, line combinations. I love to talk line combinations, so it'll be varying uh, day by day. But for the most part, it'll be uh, up every morning on the weekdays. So thanks, everyone, for joining me, and I want to get right into it. We're two days away from the season opener. I got a lot of stuff on my mind that I want to get to in today's episode. And um, it basically starts with the roster. So just to go over what we're going to be doing today, I'm going to be basically talking about the roster, how it looks, some of the waivers, and uh, some of the players sent down to Rochester yesterday, uh, as well as what the opening lineup might look like, what happens to injured players when they return. And we'll go position by position as we look ahead in future episodes before we get to Thursday, so maybe tomorrow, we'll go team by team in the conference and kind of compare the Sabres to their place in the Eastern Conference, because I know a lot of Sabre fans, like myself, have spent a lot of time this offseason thinking about what's the roster going to look like, and uh, like how are they going to get better? within and we haven't really thought about you know how they actually compare to the rest of the division to the rest of the conference so we'll do that in uh, in tomorrow's episode but for today I want to focus mostly on the players mostly on the roster here on the team the cap situation for instance the Sabres are right up against it they are barely going to come in underneath the salary cap but you know we'll, we'll see the trade could come Rasmus versus the line and still in the steam and any moment that could change so I'm expecting that um, he'll be in the opening night lineup just because of, you know, it's October 1st, right? We're two days away and he's still here. So logic would tell you it's likely he's going to be here. Now, if a trade happened, you know, five seconds from now, would I be surprised? Absolutely not. So we'll get into that as well. I want to start with some of the roster cuts and uh, really more so actually looking at um, the, the additions and subtractions going back from the end of last season to the beginning of this season. And really, what has come in and what has come out, because what's interesting is really nothing has gone out. If you look at the Sabres roster right now, like name an important player that is not here anymore. Name a big money player that's not here anymore. Name almost any player that's not here anymore. It's not there. You got guys coming in, which I like. You know, I would have liked a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more of an impact type of uh, 
a, some more impact additions to come into the team. But, you know, I like Montour. I like Miller. I like Yoki Haru. I think that's part of an initiative from Jason Boschel to make this defense core more modern, to have it more, you know, the, the puck-moving style. No longer are we doing cross-checking you in front of the net, and that's how we're going to win. That's how we're going to beat you. Now it's, all right, these guys are going to be making tape-to-tape passes out of their end. These guys are going to be moving the puck. They're not going to get trapped in their own zone. And that's kind of what I like about the defenseman that they've brought in. Montour goes back to the last year's trade deadline, but I'm counting him for this. He's still fairly new. Now, he's injured, and he's probably not going to be in the opening night lineup. He has not practiced the hand injury. It seems like it's going to keep him out just a little bit. Um, Colin Miller, though, will be in the lineup. I like him as a move. That's a really good second-pair defenseman. That's a modern-day defenseman. He's offensive, I think, when Montour's not here. Um, if you want to go two defensemen on the number one power play unit, I think he's the guy for that. And if you don't want to do that, then I think he's ripe for the second power play unit. So I like him on this team. I think that was a really good trade. They got him for basically nothing from the Golden Knights. They took advantage of a team that was in cap trouble and, uh, I think they did a really good job there. And Yoki Haru, Henry Yoki Haru, I like that he's on this team. I'm I'm very happy that he was not sent down. I was bracing for that. I'll be honest. I was bracing for Henry Yoki Haru, the player they acquired for Alex Nylander in the offseason to be sent down to start the year in Rochester. Maybe part of him being here is just injuries. I hope that's not the case. I hope that even when they're completely healthy, he's going to be here. He's another puck-moving defenseman, a former first-round pick, young, only 20 years old. Like This guy might have some upside. He reminds me, you know, he reads like what Mark Pesek used to be like here in Buffalo. Remember Mark Pesek? Uh, before Tim Murray shipped him off for Dmitry Kulikov. Like, he was supposed to be not flashy. You might go games without noticing him, but he's going to do his job. He's going to make tape-to-tape passes. He's going to be patient and calm and comfortable in his own end, not panicky, putting it up the middle, putting it up the wall right to the other team. And that's kind of what Yoki Haru seems like uh, that's going to be his forte. So I like that he's here. I hope that he is here. And uh, while we're on it, the, the defense. So... When everybody's healthy, what does it look like? That's something I'm thinking a lot about. Because guys that are not out the door and are still here, Bogosian, Ristolainen, Scandella, two of those three are going to be in the lineup probably for the opening night game against Pittsburgh. And Bogosian, when he gets healthy, might be too. And that really, you know, that's half your defense core on a given night. And half of that defense core that is kind of the old school, old style of defensemen that also, you know, they're a little stale. They've been around the block. They've been here. And I think fans want to see something fresh. I think fans want to see something different. And maybe Bogosian and Ristolainen don't play together this season. By the time Bogosian comes back, Ristolainen might be traded. I think Scandella, at this point, if you were going to trade him, I think that would have already happened. I think he's here. Um begrudgingly for a lot of fans. I think he's here. So what happens when everybody's healthy? And if Rusalina maybe isn't traded because it doesn't have to happen, then are you taking Yoki Haru out of the lineup? Um, I mean, that, that seems to be like the, the easy thing that they would do because it's hard to have a lot of confidence in this team right now and this general manager that they won't just do the easy thing. And that leads me right to who's in and who's out at forward. Again, no one really out. You Really, this is who's in and who's not out. That's basically what this, this segment kind of is. Um, Saboka still here. Giergensen still here. Larson still here. Oposo still here. That was always going to happen, so I don't think you can really fault uh, Jason Bacho for that. But coming in, Jimmy VC. All right, nice. The guy that can play on your second line and would be a really good third liner. He can maybe get you 20 goals. 
Marcus Johansson, who they have playing center right now. But, you know, top six winger, uh, third line winger would be great. But I think he's definitely capable of being a top six winger, being on the first or second power play unit. Probably the second power play unit. I think he fits perfect for that. He is a puck mover. Um, he is a puck carrier, really, which is most important on the power play. He's really good at zone entries. And I think that that's something they have not really had on that second power play unit. They've had it on the first, right? Jack Eichel, he's really good at it. And Rasmus Dahlin, he's really good at it. Those guys, you're going to want them on the same unit. You're going to want them on the top power play unit. Who's carrying the puck in on the second one? And last year, that was Evan Rodriguez. And, you know, I think he did pretty well for himself in that role. Uh, I don't think you ideally want him in that role, but I thought he did a pretty good job at it. Now he doesn't have to. Now you got Marcus Johansson to do it, who was really good at it throughout his career. And I think he fits perfect for that spot. And then... I'm going to throw in Victor Olofsson here. Like, that's an addition. He only played a couple games at the end of last season. That's a seventh-round pick out of nowhere that is developed and seems ripe, ripe for a big season in his rookie year. And he's skating a lot with Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt in practice. If he's playing with those two all season, book this guy for 25-30 goals because his shot is filthy Every time he's on the ice, he scores, whether it be the AHL, whether it be World Juniors, whether it be preseason, prospects, tournaments, and even the few games he got to crack the NHL lineup last season. The guy's just scoring goals. And I was never a big fan of him, I think, as he was coming up along. Like, everyone was talking about, oh, look at this shot, look at this shot. And I was watching him thinking, okay, yeah, the shot's nice, but where's everything else? You know, that's kind of what we're going through with Tage Thompson right now, right? Thompson's got a big monster shot. It's not as accurate as Olofsson's. The release maybe isn't even as good. But where's the rest of it? And it's not really there. And I had that thought about Olofsson. But I will say last season, and maybe this is a, a criticism of the Sabres for not having Thompson down there, Olofsson is an example of he got a year in Rochester. From the time he went down there to the time they called him up at the end of the season, I thought he had developed his his spacing. I thought he was always in the right spots. I thought that his, uh, his skating looked improved. He looked faster. He was always getting in scoring areas. He was getting in scoring opportunities. He was passing better. He had a better sense of that. And... Just see, and even in his own end, he looked more responsible. So I think he really came along um, at the end of last season after a year of development in Rochester, and I think he's ready to uh, to make an impact on this Sabres roster. And I think, you know, they, they need him to. They need him to because they really didn't do a whole lot else at forward. VC, I don't think ideally you want him in your top six. Johansson, he is in your top six. That's fine. But I don't think you really generally want that, uh, if you know what I mean. So... Other guys that are not in, because we're doing what's who's in, who's not out, who's not in. C.J. Smith, I, I really hoped he was going to make this team. I really want him to make this team. He was going to be part of, you know, the freshness to this roster. And here we go. Here we go again. It's It just seems stale. Sabotka, Giergensen's, Larson, it's stale. You can have one guy, right? Maybe even two. You could stomach two. But you can't have all three of them back here. You can't have your bottom six the same. One thing that I thought this team really needed to make over going into this season from last season was they need to remake their bottom six. You know, their top six is good, I thought. Last year, they were getting scoring. Their top line was lethal. Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt. Bonafide, 
60, 70 point guys. Eichel even more than that. Skinner scoring 40 goals last year. Those guys are in your top six. You can count on them to produce night in and night out. And then I've got some other pieces that are pretty nice. You know, Rodriguez is pretty nice. They brought in VCs nice. Johansson's nice. Olafson's nice. Like they've got a they've got a reputable top six. The bottom six needed to be changed over, and they didn't do it. Part of that could have been C.J. Smith. It could have been young guys. And part of it could have been even Tage Thompson coming back in here on a third line. But instead, what we have is the same guys, Sabotka, Giergensens, Larson, all three are here. I cannot believe that Vladimir Sabotka might be on this team's lineup to start the season. He doesn't do anything well. It's amazing. He's above average at faceoffs. He's not fast. He's not really all that skilled. He's not big. He's pretty good in his own end. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I already have a Sabotka. I have Larson, and he's better at it. Now, if you want to talk about staleness, yeah, Larson is stale too. He's been here forever, and he's been through some bad seasons with this team. He's a better player than Vladimir Sabotka, and I don't think I can be having three guys in my bottom six like that that just do not contribute anything offensively. Anything. So, I'm... Still optimistic about this coach. I'm optimistic about Ralph Kruger, and I hope that he will realize at some point early on here that Sabotka cannot be in your lineup. And maybe he's only even here right now because of his cap number, and they want to give him a chance because they don't want to have to have a $3.5 million player either buried in the minors or playing overseas because they had to find a place for him to play. It reminds me a little bit of when Housley first got here and Matt Molson was a $5.5 million player or $5 million player, whatever his cap number was. And we had already kind of arrived at a point that this guy could not be on the roster. But, you know, the coach was new, and maybe the coach didn't want to, didn't know that, and he wanted to see for himself. And he got a few games at the start of that season. I think finally Housley arrived at, this guy just can't be in my lineup. Bottrell, too, just arrived at, this guy can't be in my lineup. And they ended up finding a place for him to play on another AHL team. And he goes over to California, and he plays there, and they just eat his salary. And I'm kind of hoping that happens with Saboka, and I'm hoping it happens quick. That they realize, the fans realize it, everyone that covers the team in Buffalo realizes it. Hopefully the coaching staff and the GM, the GM should already be there, but the coaching staff realizes this guy can't be in my lineup. Hey, let's uh, let, let's find a place for him to play, and I hope that that decision arrives pretty quickly because he is just, he's holding you back any, from having maybe a young guy in your bottom six that can contribute a little bit offensively, and that's not there. Doesn't it feel like they're waiting for Darlene and Middlestat, though. Doesn't it feel like they're waiting for Darlene and Middlestat? Like, that's kind of my overall... That's kind of my overall sense of the plan for the roster right now. Other than them re kind of trying to remake their defense core. But they haven't completed that process, so I can't really give them all the way uh, credit for that. It feels like they're just waiting for Darlene and Middlestat. You know? They're waiting for these young guys, these promising prospects. Darlene's not even a prospect. He's just, he's just a stud at this point already. Like, who knows how good he'll get, but he should be amazing. Darlene, you can wait for. Uh, middle set, like, who knows what he's going to be right away. And I, I just think this GM shouldn't have that much patience. His plan for success for this team shouldn't be waiting on those two guys to come through for you. Darlene's going to do it. Middle set, who knows, but who knows how long it's going to take. Where's the urgency? Where is the urgency with this roster? That There should be more of it. We are going on almost a decade of no playoffs. This fan base is is frustrated. It is getting impatient. We went through a tank. We, for the most part as a fan base, supported that. 
we've gone through a lot and you need to have some change. You can't just be waiting on a couple of guys to come through for you and save everything. You need to do it with trades. You need to do it with signings. You need to do it with draft picks. And sure, the draft picks you're kind of waiting on, but maybe trading draft picks, like the Montour trade. That was an urgency type of play, and they did it. And I think it's going to work out well. I think Montour is going to be a top pair defenseman for them. I think he's their second best defenseman uh, looking at it right now. So that kind of feels like what it's going to look like. Darlene and Middlestat, are we waiting on them? And are they the captains? They're going to have to save the ship uh, to get into the into the race with the Torontos of the world and the and the Bostons and the Tampas and hell, even the Floridas. We'll get into the, the other teams in the division uh, in the I do, I do want to get into the uh, the lineup though. I want to get into what it's going to look like, line combinations. What, what, like, how good a team are we talking about for the start of the season? And a couple of lines that have kind of been persistent throughout practice that I like: Eichel, Olafson, Reinhardt, and Johansson, Skinner. As a combination, we don't really know who their winger is going to be. I, I can't, I can't assume it's going to be Sabotka. He's the guy that has been. Um, He's the guy that's really been skating with them, or at least he was at the last practice. I can't imagine that's going to happen. I, I can't imagine that's going to happen. And Vladimir Sabotka is going to be a second-line right-winger to start the season. But here's why I kind of like those lines so far. Olafson, I think, is a guy that we want to see what his upside is. And the best way to see what his upside is is play him with your best players. And that's Jack Eichel and that's Sam Reinhardt. So I like that line. They looked really good together in preseason. They looked comfortable together in preseason. There's a lot of chemistry there that I liked. So that's a legit line for the uh, Sabres to be the top line, in my opinion. The second line I like a lot too, Marcus Johansson uh, at center. You know, I, I like the idea more of Reinhardt down the middle. If you're going to be willing to move one of your wingers who has some experience playing center to a position that he's had less success at, like Johansson has at center as opposed to wing, why not go one step further, do the same thing with Reinhardt? Now, Reinhardt has really not done it that much in the NHL, but that's part of the issue for me. You know, he's had two shots at it, one of which was one of which was as an 18-year-old on a tank team that had who was he playing with? Zalk Dalpy? Like, who knows who he was playing with back then for nine games. And then with Housley, he gets, a, like, a week maybe with Seth Griffith, who's not an NHL player, with Nick Baptiste, who's not an NHL player, and Zemgis Giergensen, who really shouldn't be an NHL player for the Sabres, at least, at this point. And if he even is an NHL player, he's a fourth liner. So, didn't really get a fair crack at it, I would say. Let's see what he does. On this team, the deep at wing with VC and Skinner and Olafson and Sherry, like there's plenty of options to play Reinhardt with that would give him a real chance to be successful down the middle. And you think about it, he's a 65 point player last year for the Sabres. He's a lot better at carrying the puck. He's a lot better at creating his own plays, not just being like a net front presence guy, which I thought he was a little bit of in the beginning of his career, um, even up till before last season. How about, instead of 65 points at wing, can he be a 50-point center for me? Because that's a big drop-off, right? That's a big drop-off. But yet, 50-point center tomorrow 
would be a massive upgrade for the Sabres behind Jack Eichel. A massive upgrade. It's all about, it should be not what does he need and what is he best at versus what do I need him to do. And today, the Sabres need Sam Reinhardt to be down the middle. Now, I will say I like the Johansson idea, though, because it's kind of a lesser version of that, and at least they're doing that. Because I think today... The idea of Marcus Johansson being my second-line center, while not as good an idea maybe as his being a winger in an ideal world, he's better at it than I think my alternatives. Middlestad is not ready for that role. We clearly saw that last season. He's not ready for that. They tried to bring in Patrick Berglund and hope that he could be kind of like a bridge second-line center, but he quits the sport. Saboka doesn't give you anything. We know what Larson is, so Middlestad had to be thrust into that role, and they really need Evan Rodriguez to come down and save them. Um, so... You know, Rodriguez is another option. Maybe he just becomes their second-line center again. And all credit to Evan Rodriguez. Like, he's, he's a Swiss Army knife. Like, he'll do whatever you need him to do. But they need to do better than that. They need to be They need to be finding out who's their second-best center in the team. And today, I think that's Sam Reinhardt. Now, if you want to keep him on the wing for real for the long term, then you need to go find a second-line center. And the only way to maybe do that right now is still Ristolainen. It's the same conversation we had four months ago, but it's still the right one. He's the only thing that might be able to pull that back for me. And at this point, given what Justin Falk got traded for last week, which was a former first-round pick prospect and some spare parts, and that was pretty much it, I don't think Ristolainen gets you that center. Now, if you want, you, you have to get a little creative. Maybe you want to throw in a first-round pick and go go big and try to get somebody's second-line center. Maybe you'll have to uh, maybe throw in a couple mid-round picks. Maybe you throw in a, a prospect. But he needs to be the main piece in getting that back. Otherwise, I don't want to see that trade be made, to be honest. I really don't want to see that trade be made because picks and prospects, like, it's enough. Like, we need to have some trades that have some urgency, like the Brandon Montour trade last year. That needs to happen again, but this time with the forward group. And Ristolainen right now is your best bet to be able to do that. The other guy that might have some value still that exists on this team that you could you could trade, you could stomach trading him, and he might get you something close to that in return is Jake McCabe. Now, I think you'd have to certainly package something back with him if you're going to get anything close to a second-line center, but he would be another idea. While we're on uh, the conversation of trading for centers, Jack Roslovich is still out there. Winnipeg needs a defenseman. I mean, Dustin Bufflin is away from the team right now, and past that, Neil Pionk is their only NHL right-hand defenseman. Like, that's that's, that's rough. And he's all right, but they got him in the Jacob Trouba trade, but he's not a first or even a second-pair defenseman. So, you know... If they traded for Ristolainen tomorrow, they'd have some of the same issues the Sabres would have. Like, that guy should not be on my top pair. But look at their alternative. Look at their alternative. If it's Neil Pionk or whoever you could find out there that's available, which there really nobody left to sign, and Justin Falk got traded to the Blues, so he's not available, Ristolainen is the best that Winnipeg can do on the right-hand defenseman front. So... Jack Roslovich is a name I really like. I like that idea for the Sabres a lot. There were some reports over the summer that he wanted to trade. And part of the reason for that is the guy had 24 points, which is not a lot to write home about, right? But he's still really young. I think he's 21, 22 maybe. He averaged less than 10 minutes a night last season. Less than 10 minutes a night. If you actually look at his points per 60 minutes, he was actually really good. Part of the reason he only had 24 points is the guy played 9 minutes and 45 seconds a night. 
Bring him here, give him 15, 16, hell, even 17 minutes a night, and what does he look like? What does he look like with better wingers? I think that's a guy that is kind of like a it's a, like a buy-low type of trade. Get him now while his value is low as a, as a young, struggling prospect that in reality really isn't struggling a whole lot. He's just not... Another thing I want to get into before we get out of here is goaltending because it's not it's a position the Sabres... We don't really think about, right? Do we ever think about goaltending for the Sabres? It's Olmark and it's Hutton. So at least for this year, we're fine. It feels like we're waiting on Uka Pekalukkanen. So maybe he arrives at some point this season. I'd be surprised by that. But I'm wondering who starts. Olmark is 26 years old. I don't know how much more I'm supposed to be hoping he's going to give me. You know, he's been good. He was really good in his first year, uh, filling in when Robin Leonard got hurt as a rookie. Um, then he kind of took a step back, and he was not all that great last season. I think we were hoping he would take over the starting role, and that just didn't happen. He had an opportunity to do it, and it didn't happen. I think we know what Hutton is at this point. Like Ideally, he's a really good backup in the league. He can hold down the fort for you as a starter, but you're below average at goal if he's your starting goaltender, and that's where the Sabres exist today. So... I'm wondering about Olmark. Who starts an opening night? I would like to see it be Olmark because he still might have some upside. And we need to find out what he's got. We need to find out what he has because Uka Pekalukin is coming hot. He is coming hot on the trail here to uh, to maybe take over the Sabres starting goaltender job at some point. Um, ranked as the number one goalie prospect outside the NHL last season by Hockey News. Like He's, he's a stud prospect. So if he comes along at some point... Are we going to have a real good idea of what Allmark is? And I'd like to find that out early in the season. I hope the Sabres would like to find that out early in the season because you know what Carter Hutton is. Let's see what Allmark looks like as the starting goaltender because if he doesn't improve for you mightily this season, you are not going to have you are not going to have an above average goaltending situation. It won't happen. It will not happen. And that's something that I'd like to see the Sabres uh, come away with. Like, part of the reason I entertained the idea of Sergei Bobrovsky in the offseason, given that it was a bad contract and it's a bad idea for your long-term cap situation, what would it do to your team immediately? What can goaltending do to your team immediately? It can put you right in contention. Look what Bobrovsky was for the Blue Jackets. Before he gets there, Columbus is like a perennial uh, bottom feeder in the NHL. They made the playoffs one time and got swept. Like, they were nothing. And Bobrovsky shows up, and he's the best goaltender in the league. He wins a Vesna. Uh, he, he's near the top of the league in the other years. And they're a playoff team almost every single year. Like, that's just what goaltending can do to you. Florida this year, like, we'll talk about them in our next episode uh, when we break down the rest of the conference and especially the division. I think they're a playoff team this season, in part because of Bobrovsky. And goaltending can fix stuff like that. It can make you immediately competitive. And I'm just not confident the Sabres even have that. So when you break down their roster, I think they're deep at wing. I think their first-line center is a, is a stud. I think that they have a franchise defenseman in Rasmus Dahlin. Like the hard part's figured out. You have the number one center for the long term. You have the number one defenseman for the long term. That's that's figured out. That's that's good. Your top six also, one of the hard parts to figure out. Like I think you've got that pretty much figured out if you can find that second-line center. But the rest of it, the easy part, you should be able to figure that out. And they haven't. And in part... It's because it's the same stale guys over and over. It's Gierkinson and Larson and Saboka and it's Bogosian and it's Ristolainen, less so Ristolainen, but it's also Scandella. And part of the reason it seems they're not able to find these diamonds in the rough like Pittsburgh seems to do all the time is Pittsburgh cycles those guys in and out. If a guy's not working, they get him out of there and they try somebody else. And the Sabres don't do that. They don't give C.J. Smith an opportunity to come up and be great. They don't 
gives Sean Malone Sean Malone an opportunity to be a fourth line center because and, and, like, he maybe never would have been good at all, but they don't even give him the opportunity. They don't give Rasmus Asplund an opportunity at the beginning of his season to see if, hey, he can be really good as a rookie. They don't even get that chance. And that's a change this organization needs to make. When you have players in your bottom six that are not performing for you, you need to be willing to move on from them. You need to be willing to give young guys a chance, even if you don't know how good the young guys are going to be. Because two things that'll do. One, you're giving yourself a chance to improve in those areas. And two, you are, uh, you're going to find out what you've really got in these guys. And that's not something that's happened. Even going back to Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste, Think about how long it took to figure out whether those guys were NHL players. It took years and years and years. And maybe if they had been played earlier on, we would have had a better idea of what they could become, and they just never became it. So that's another thing that I'm uh, I'm hoping that happens over the course of the season. There's a little bit more, you know, cycling going on in the bottom six, and uh, even on the blue line, you know, even on the blue line. But I'm, I'm excited for the season to get going. I'm a huge hockey fan. I'm a bigger hockey fan than even any other sport. So I'm ready to go for the Sabre season, and uh, I'm excited. You know, they'll be 0-0. Zero zero. You hope that they can stay in it uh, longer than last season even. I'm not expecting a 10-game win streak to come about, but maybe what they did prove last season during that 10-game win streak is that they're capable of putting a run together like that. The only difference is if they do put together a run somewhere near that this season, they need to be a 500 hockey team for the rest of it. Can the Sabres be... That's what I'm wondering. Because I don't think they're competing with Toronto. I don't think they're competing with Boston. I don't think they're competing with Tampa. Can they put one run together similar to what they did last year in November and play 500 hockey for the rest of the season? That's that's the, That might be the recipe. That's the recipe. 500 hockey for the entire season with one really hot streak mixed in along the way. Because I don't think this team is capable as presently constructed of being a playoff team beginning to end. I don't think they have it in them. Unless there's a trade coming, unless there's a big trade coming. And if I'm Jason Bottrell, you know, I'm making that big trade. I've talked about urgency a couple times in this episode here. There needs to be some urgency. What is the leash like on Bottrell today? I wonder that. If they have another stinker of a season, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of here. Like a stinker. I'm talking like a bottom five finish. If they're in it, if they're in the playoff race right to the end, I think he survives. But this guy needs to start thinking about what his job security is and thinking about how impatient the fan base must feel at this point and how frustrated the fan base must be at this point, how frustrated ownership must be at this point. Terry Pagula showed up here talking about winning Stanley Cups, and they haven't made the playoffs since he got here, other than the, the, the little spring that he was the owner for that 2011 season they've not made the playoffs so there needs to be a little bit of urgency i've liked what he's done with the blue line that needs to happen with the forward group that needs to happen down the middle he fixed the blue line i'm excited to see that because when you look at the position groups the last thing on on the on the roster here i think that they're good at wing well below average at center below average a goaltender and I'm not yet decided what they'll be on the blue line. I think they could be really good. They could be really good. It's the style that they're playing in now. It's the guys they've acquired. It's Dalene maybe taking a giant step in his second season. It's another first round level player in Yoki Haru maybe taking a step. I watched some games from him playing in Chicago last season, watching a little bit of film on him, and the guy is smooth. 
Like, I think if he steps in here and you give him some solid minutes, I think he could be a real plus for your uh, for your blue line situation. So maybe, just maybe, that'll be another guy that uh, that can help your blue line along because there's still some guys that need to go out the door, but the blue line could be the strength of this team this season. It really could. Before I get out of here today, a couple of roster moves I want to go over. Some of those uh, those players that were waived and some players that were sent down to Rochester. In fact, now it's official. Uh, four players that were waived by the Sabres have been assigned to Rochester, including Remy Ellie, Curtis Lazar, Scott Wilson, Casey Nelson. I'm a little surprised he cleared waivers. Uh, I want to go over some of the some of the sendowns by the Sabres before opening night. Um, let's start with Casey Nelson. I was interested to see that he was sent down. I think he was good for them last season, but obviously like a sixth, seventh defenseman with how deep they are at defense. He's just clearly not in this team's, uh, this team's uh, plans going forward. He could not crack the lineup. He could not crack the opening night lineup with the injuries they have with pilot, with Bogosian. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he ever makes this team if he couldn't have made that one. Um, so Nelson, I'm kind of starting to forget about Scott Wilson, just Curtis Lazar, Remyelli, just kind of chip and change, like fourth line guys. Not have to worry about too much. More interesting, some of the young guys they sent down. So they sent the Sabres sent down Lawrence Pilot. I think that's more of a paper money move. I really hope that that's the case. He is on IR, I think, to start the season. Or no, he's not on IR because he's in Rochester. But he's got the injury. He's not supposed to return until probably November. So a ways to go there. I think that guy needs to be on this team once he returns. Like, look about look at Ristolina's numbers. I don't think it's an accident that his best numbers of his career came by far with Lawrence Pilot uh, last season. So Pilot needs to be here once he's healthy. They send down Rasmus Asplund, which, you know, I would have liked to see him as this team's fourth-line center to start the season. It would have been fresh. It would have been uh, a player with some upside that you don't have in that role right now, and it would just get some of those stale players out of here and try to, like, just cycle through the fourth line, like I just kind of mentioned a few minutes ago. And then Tage Thompson gets sent down, and we are in a weird place with Tage Thompson. It's not often that a guy plays an entire season as a rookie and then ends up the next year starting in Rochester. That's that's a weird one. So what is he at this point? I think you're hoping he's anything. I think you're hoping he is anything. He's been surpassed by Olofsson by leaps and bounds on this team's depth chart when it comes to wingers, uh, prospect wingers. So He's got to go down there. He's got to score some goals. He's clearly got to work on his board play. He he kind of goes to the same move over and over. It's a lot of toe drags. The the shot needs to get off quicker. He's got the tools. You know, he's got the tools. He's big. He's fast. He's got a cannon of a shot. But when the puck gets in tight with him versus another guy, he tries to play the use the fancy play. He needs to use his body more. He needs to be more of a power winger, and I think his hands should supplement that as opposed to his body supplementing his hands. Um, the shot needs to get reeled in a little bit more. Needs to get a little bit more accurate. So there's all things he needs to work on to be a more consistent player because you don't want him being a third, fourth line player in the future. He's the main piece currently of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, and I think you really, really, really need him to come along and improve in that area and be. Uh, he needs he needs to make that trade not embarrassing. Like he's the key to it. So 
I hope that he gets here at some point this season. And I, I mentioned earlier with Olofsson. Olofsson went down and he worked on things I thought he needed to work on. And he got better at them. And look at him now. He might start the season on the Sabres' top line. And I think the hope would be that Tage Thompson goes down to Rochester. He works on those same types of things. And then maybe a few months down the road, he gets called up and he is scoring you 15, 20 goals a season uh, at the very least because the Sabres do need some more scoring uh, for sure in their forward. One other thing I do want to touch on before we get out of here. It's, it's not necessarily uh, Sabre-related. It is a little bit. Former Sabre Evander Kane, if you missed it, he gets tossed out of that uh, out of that preseason game the other day against the Vegas Golden Knights, and he's getting into it in the media again with Ryan Reeves. So if you missed it, Evander Kane gets hit by Derek Eglund, Vegas Golden Knights defenseman. Then he gets cross-checked by Eglund. Then he turns around, and Kane gives him a big whack like a big slash, and then he skates away. He skates away, and he turns back toward the neutral zone where England is, but he's so clearly not going towards England. Like, they're not even really close to each other. They're not looking at each other. Like, it was over at that point. And if you haven't seen it, the referee comes in, and he goes right for Kane, even though he was not the guy who started that play. And he tackles Evander Kane to the ground. And Kane shouldn't have shoved the ref, but he shoves the ref and he gets tossed. That was a horrible, horrendous job by the official in that scenario. And that's part of the NHL, I think, referees have a reputation, or if they don't, they should have a reputation, as they target individual players. There are certain players that have reputations that the referees have in the back of their minds, and they think about that when they do things like that. That referee had, that linesman had no business tackling Evander Kane the way that he did, and I think Evander Kane had every right to be upset with him. Um, that just can't happen. I think back to, there. I'll tweet out maybe a YouTube link of it. There is several instances of officials in the NHL, they just go too far, and there was one situation where Nathan Gerby was on the Sabres a few years ago. This is actually probably a, a while back now. How, is, can you say Nathan Gerby was a while back? What is that, four or five years? Is four or five years a while back? Anyways, the referee takes Gerby. He's taller than Gerby. We, we know that because he's a short guy. And he grabs him by the shoulder pads and he pins him up against the boards. And, I, you know, I, I just have no... I, I have no tolerance for of referees doing things like that and this Evander Kane thing like I hope he doesn't get suspended because he hardly shoved the ref he did shove the ref it deserved an ejection but he hardly touched him and I think that might carry an automatic 10 game suspension but you know if you're going to suspend Evander Kane in that situation you have you have to suspend the linesman in that in that situation he was careless and he tackled a player like what are you, what are you supposed to do like you've got to do something right and maybe that's just not made uh, available to the public when uh, when they suspend referees like that, or maybe they reprimand referees like that. But that re- that linesman absolutely deserved to be reprimanded. Group. All right, thanks everybody for listening to the show today. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You sub- make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you download on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. Really, wherever you get your stuff, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to them there. I'll be back with you tomorrow. I'm hoping to bring the show a little bit earlier to you. We'll be recording in the morning, um, or I'll be recording in the morning, talking about previewing the Sabers and what their 
place is in the Eastern Conference, what their place is in the Atlantic Division. Who are they going to be competing with this season for a playoff spot? Hoping that they are competing for a playoff spot because, man, do Sabre fans need that. Until then, everyone have a good day. This has been the Locked On Sabres Podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.